0: Hello and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Before we get started, we're going to have our quick message and then we're going to come back and unpack a whole heck of a lot. Stay tuned. Three, two, four, one. or you can email radio at vnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. So again, you are listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So I'm going to first... Relate an anecdote. That's how I want to start today's show. Uh, I'll share something. And for those of you who have been listening to me since like 2008, 2009, thank you, my goodness, so very much from the absolute bottom of my heart. I am so enormously grateful. For those of you who have just started listening to me, I'm very grateful to you as well. But I reference people who've been with me from the beginning because I used to start my show with a quotation. And the quotation wasn't a random one, it was never a random one. It was one that kind of set the tone for the show. Um, so here I want to, um, I might go back to that. I think I'm going to go back to that. Uh, after a while, I just I just stopped, and I don't know why. But I think I'll go back to that. So I'll either moving forward, I'll either start the show with a quotation that kind of speaks to the theme, the overall theme of the show, or I'll start with uh, an anecdote, which will act, you know, be the be the same kind of thing, uh, set the tone. So, I recently. Met a girl named Kathleen, and she's very nice. I met her, um, you know. I, I call everyone girl, boy, kid, you know. Someone's seventy years old. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's, he's a good kid. Uh, I don't know if it's a Boston thing, a Rachel thing, or a little of both. Uh, but anyway, I. Uh, I met a girl, Kathleen, so we're about uh, roughly the same age. I'm a little bit older, a few years older, maybe like three or four, something like that. And or maybe two, I don't know, two, three years, whatever. But I'm a little bit older. And I had, when I initially met her, air quotes, uh, it was online. And we were um, kind of... She and I, along with others, we were brought together um, because of a, a particular cause. And so my only interactions with her, again, were online, so I could see her and I, of course, could hear her. Um, you know, we had Zooms, and then I saw things that she wrote online, you know, on social media, maybe uh, on the Facebook platform or or Twitter, I don't know if she's on Twitter, but uh, definitely Facebook. So I had I had an idea of who who she was, and then I finally met her in person, and she was just as lovely. And she really, is. she's very very nice. And <laughs> it was it was so funny because we were at an event in support of a, a political candidate, and at one point she just turns to me without warning, and she says. My sister went to school with you. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And so (laughs) uh, I laugh because (laughs) people seem to either really like me (laughs) or they really don't. (laughs) So there doesn't seem to be a lot of in between. So I was kind of like bracing myself and I was like, Woo. And she was like, oh, my sister thinks you're great. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) phew. And as it turns out, I actually think her sister is great too. Her sister is fantastic. But what was um, what was also uh, funny for me, funny, interesting, is that she said, "Yeah, my my sister," she said that that you're prickly. <laughs> so I, I looked it up to see if. There were any like favorable <laughs> uh, connotations, <laughs> uh, and so obviously, very clearly, I thought it was funny, and very clearly, I still do. Right, and I said, "Well, on the face of it, I don't think any of the the, the definitions, this, the the meanings, are necessarily construed as positive, but." I think they're positive, so that's all that counts. And and as I said, uh, Kathleen said, "Oh yeah, my sister. She thinks you're really great." So I say oh, that's that's very very cool. So, you know, prickly. So, someone who is easily irritated, who uh, gets angered easily. And that, that would be, (laughs) that would be me. Now, how I handle it is a different story. So I, you know, I actually, I have a lot of discipline, self-discipline, and I, you know, like to think twice before I say and do things because you want to be careful as to how you present yourself. I'm not talking about being overly cautious and worrying about everything that you say and do because we live in a day and age where someone's always um, waiting there to take a screenshot of something you said online. Or if if it's in person, uh, they're just waiting to to capture you saying something or doing something that is going to reflect poorly upon you. It's not that. I, want, I mean i I do <laughs> consider that such as the climate which is which is really it's a it's a tremendous shame, but for me, it's more that i I want when I communicate, I want to do it very meaningfully, and I don't want what I say what I communicate what i mean you know it could be writing, but you know since we're talking about anger. But I guess, yeah, anger can certainly manifest itself in writing. Of course it can. Um, I want people not to lose sight of my point, my ideas. And I I don't ever want to act in a way that's going to detract from what I'm trying to to, to say, the points that I'm trying to make. So I do (laughs) get— upset and angered very easily, but I have very good self-discipline. And then I also try to channel it positively. Now, what I'll say, what I'll say is that people, they, they often try your patience, they really do, because they say and do things that leave your head, you know, leave you scratching your head. And to kind of tie into the issues that we were discussing or what I was you know unpacking, and I've gotten feedback. Um, thank you <laughs> um, but it's it it's it, the feedback's important, but the issues that we that that we were discussing that I was discussing th- those are very important too. Um, because we do need to talk about politics, but really what's happening in politics. And a lot of people, let me just say this right here, right now, a lot of people want to blame President Trump. And for anyone listening saying, what are you calling him President Trump for? He's no longer president. It's, it's, it's a sign of respect. Right. I, I also refer to Obama. I often will say President Obama, same thing. It's it's respect. And and I certainly did not agree <laughs> with a great deal of what Obama said and did, but I will refer to him as President Obama. It's a sign of respect for him as a human being and for the office that he held. So to get back to my point, President Trump uh, people want to blame the, the baseness that we now see in the political arena, in the political field. We, we, we I mean, I shouldn't say we because I'm not. certainly not part of this. Um, there are a lot of people who want to blame Trump for the nastiness, for the vitriol, for the hatred, the bigotry. And I don't think that, that that's right. I don't think that that makes sense. Trump is someone who is very... He's very candid. And at another point in time, people would not be so bothered by what he says or or how he says it. And maybe that's actually the bigger issue, because I've met a lot of people that they're not necessarily right-leaning, but they'll say that they think that Trump has a point, but it's the way he said it. Now, I'm not making excuses for Trump. I'm just saying that really, in another day and age, the way he expressed things, people wouldn't feel so uncomfortable. And I think that you know, part of the malaise, I think that it's, it's it's, our problem as a society. I do, because before Trump, long before he stood up to run for president, long, 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 long before that, we have been going in a direction where we couldn't say a lot of different things. Thanks. Because it might be construed as offensive. It might be construed as insulting. And it's it's unfortunate. It was unfortunate because it, it it led us to where we are today. I'm never going to advocate or support the idea of being disrespectful. Of course not. But I I just I I, I <laughs> I question why everything has to be seemingly processed a few different times before it can then be shared with the public. I mean, we shouldn't have to walk on eggshells. And just so I'm clear, there's a difference between me being careful about what I'm saying if I happen to be upset because I just want to make sure that my upset doesn't shroud the points that I'm trying to make with worrying about a message and worrying about the, the lexicon that's being used in any frames of reference that might be used as well because the idea is that, well, we don't want to offend anybody this whole idea of police in the language it's it's become so insidious that people just react and it's 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 often overblown it's disproportionate the reaction that is to what was actually said i mean there're things now that people take offense to, and I just, I'm like, what? <laughs> are you serious? Whereas there are other things that people should be up in arms about, and we're going to talk about that in a bit, and people don't bat an eye. You know, so it's, it's. I've talked about selective outrage, but I should maybe talk about learned Outrage, indoctrinated outrage, inculcated outrage. If, if 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 those adjectives really kind of make sense uh, with this word, with this noun, outrage, maybe learnt is is the word that really kind of makes the best sense here, because people have been taught, they truly have been, to react, and emote upon hearing and seeing certain things. And then when other things happen that, as I said, should provoke outrage, legitimate, valid outrage, people don't even pick up on it as being insulting or offensive, which really, to me, is mind-blowing. So I don't really think that Trump can be blamed for what we're seeing today and and we're seeing so much ugliness we really are and so i talked about some of it i did um, i have it's not new it's it's not even just a continuation of some of the themes that i evoked in last week's show it's it's kind of an ongoing discussion about the deterioration of, of society. The discarding of any concept of etiquette, it, and, and it's just it, it manifesting itself, really, in the political arena. And and we're seeing. I don't know. We're we're seeing because that's happened because we've had. These developments of this of the, these phenomena, however you want to phrase them, which all relate to this this nastiness. And I don't even want to call it this new nastiness, but it, it's just it's just so present now. It's just it's ubiquitous. it just it permeates everything, right? And again, you you can't blame Trump. I think it's just people being people and feeling comfortable saying and doing whatever they want, regardless of other people's feelings. And I honestly think that—I think that—I think there should be a movement. (laughs) I think there should be a movement where people stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to tolerate that. You know, you're you're talking about someone's family. You're talking about children that are minors. You want to talk about the politician, the political hopeful, talk about him. But don't talk about his children or his grandchildren. And this is an ex- just an example. Uh, if you want to talk about a person's record, go ahead. In fact, you should. If a person has a record, uh, you know, a record of public service, and he or she is running for another office or the same office, running for reelection or running, um, yeah, running for reelection, by all means, talk about it. But people are talking about unrelated aspects of someone's personal life and it's just it's nasty i've seen people make comments about others faith which should absolutely be off limits so it, it it's all of this that 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 is happening right now there are now people who will say things that are deliberately provocative. I'm not talking about pushing the envelope. I'm talking about people making really deeply offensive, ugly comments. And no, I'm not talking about someone being a snowflake and someone being overly sensitive. I'm talking about people insulting someone's racial, ethnic background or, or religious background I mean, just saying really nasty things, knowing it's nasty, and trying to elicit a reaction that, that can then be used against the target of the abuse. And it is abuse. This is, this is where we're at. And I talked about, of course, in previous shows, about this race to the bottom, and, and that's what we're actively engaged in. And again, maybe, you know, this is another instance where I shouldn't be saying we. Uh, you have people, many people who are actively engaged in a race to the bottom. And I will remind people, this is something I've said a lot of times over the years. I don't just do political commentary, I also do social commentary and I've often explained it thus as thus. Before we see certain behaviors, certain types of conduct in politics, we first see it socially, right? And then it just kind of transfers itself to the political arena, and that's what we've seen. So this idea of saying just really ugly, filthy things and just trying to provoke a reaction, it's, it's disgusting. But that's not all. As I've shared, as I've criticized, and I think rightly, we have people who stand up to run for office. Why are you running for office? You don't want to serve. So why are you running? No, really. I mean, at least pretend to have a platform. And there's so many people that I can think of that fall under this umbrella. And unfortunately, a number of them happen to be on the political right. Now, I don't want to generalize because there are a lot of people, both on the left, uh, both on the right and the left, both Republicans and Democrats, who, quite frankly, have no business either holding office or running for office. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's shocking to see some of the people who are elected officials and you you listen to them speak and you say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, you, you you got elected, huh? But it's it's how 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 can I phrase this? Or how can I how can I express this? It's it's shocking enough that these different people are are holding office, or that they're taken seriously when they do stand up to run for office, but. It's offensive, I think. It's grossly insulting to this, this whole idea about, you know, a, a democracy. And, and I don't want someone to tweet at me, oh, but Rachel, we live in a constitutional republic. Yeah, I know. But the idea of people participating in the process, uh, it, it, you know, everything, everything at the end of the day comes down to the people, comes back to the people. Democracy, rule of the people. <laughs> at the end of the day, right? And we have, we are in a republic. A republic. It is a constitutional republic. It sets out our laws. It set it. It, it just, it, you know, our three branches of government, how they should operate. It, you know, it's 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 all in there, <laughs> but but it all comes down to the people, the will of the people. In so far as who is, is elected su- successfully. And, and there's nothing more powerful than the people getting out to vote en masse. Of course, they don't do that, though, right? So let's get back to this, this whole idea about the nastiness of the political arena. Let's, let's get back to that. So I've given uh, a few examples, and I started to talk about, I see mostly on the right a certain type of behavior, and so I want to kind of maybe go back to that in particular. So as I said, th- there are people on both sides of the aisle who have no business in office, uh, you know, uh you know, they have no business running for office, let alone holding office. Uh, maybe I should phrase it like that. But I find that a lot of people on the left who are basically unqualified, they throw out these buzzwords and they, they make a pretense. They'll say, Justice. And for some reason, the word equality has become like a word that people no longer feel the need to use or, or don't know how to use it. Or it's it's become somehow outdated, archaic. I don't know. Um, so people now say equity. Equity. Justice for all. Quality education. Quality of life. And so they throw out these buzzwords and they don't really have anything to say beyond that? Lydia Edwards, she, she's a great example. Now, she knows that when she was a district council in the Boston City Council, and now as a senator, a state senator, she knew then, which she knows now, and, and, and the districts that she represented as a district council, she's still representing them as Um, as a state senator. And so Lydia actually has, Lydia Edwards, she actually has uh, a lot of people who are moderate, conservative, even very conservative. So, you know, she has to really kind of be, I think, relatively careful. And she knows that. She's smart enough to know that. Um, but you know, she'll throw out these terms, and she really didn't have much of a platform. And the ideas that she had, none of them were hers. This idea about you know promoting or advocating for vocational schools and talking about apprent- apprenticeships—that was all new, and that wasn't her. I could say where she got those ideas, but that's for another show. <laughs> and there were other things that she said, but they were ideas. And they weren't, you know. Although some of these these things that she she put forth, these, these as like I guess her overall vision, if you can even refer to it, is that for uh, the particular um, Senate district that she now represents, she she couldn't. If you were to have asked her, well, Lydia, can you go into detail about that? So you talked about apprenticeships. Tell me more. She wouldn't have been able to do it. And that infuriates me because I don't understand standing up and talking about something that you then can't go into detail about, explain, defend. I, I just don't understand that. And, and and it's it's also infuriating for me that so many politicians can get away with doing just that. But my point in talking about the left and and using just one example in the person of Lydia Edwards is that they at least make a pretense of running. You look at some of the people on on the right now, and you see it right here in Massachusetts, and... It's entertainment. And so you have Rayla Campbell, yes, Rayla Campbell, and she will pick a cause. Now, she doesn't even have to know anything about it, but that she's going to pick an issue topic, however you want to refer to it, but like, like a subject, a topic. And she'll run with it. And it could be related to what she's running for. Actually, if you think about it, not really. Because when she ran for Congress, everything was about race. And it's like, okay, we get it, you're black, but what is your platform? And <laughs> as someone who was running against her, a fellow Republican, I was like, well, can we debate? And no, apparently we couldn't. Apparently we couldn't. Uh, she had time to go to New Hampshire. She had time to go uh, to different parts of the Commonwealth that were very much well outside the 7th Congressional District, but she couldn't make time for a debate, even on one that was carried out online. Go figure. So this time around... She's talking about—and and just, you know, the, the goalposts, they're, they're moving all the time. And it's—I it's, guess it can be summed up a bit broadly, messily, as our children are being exposed to things in public spaces that they shouldn't be exposed to. Okay. What does that have to do with you being Secretary of State? Well, absolutely nothing. And there's no way she can connect the dots because there is no connection, not even a tenuous one. But it's a cause. And she can rant and she can make something that sounds like a speech. She can do lives. She can show up at events and be uh, disruptive. Uh, she can shout people down. Re- just basically put on a performance piece, and then just call it campaigning. And just like the nastiness that has has kind of really, I mean, politics is 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 never been. It's it's never been. Uh, 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 a team sport, or it's it's never it's never been a, an arena where you know people lock arms and sing in harmony. <laughs> okay, it's it's not it's not Little House on the Prairie. It's more like The Hunger Games, right? But what I've been describing over the last few shows is a particular nastiness that I think that people should be concerned about because if you have this type of behavior being manifested by candidates and their supporters well what's going to happen if that if that person or those people ever get elected and how many of those supporters that are engaging in equally nasty behavior how many of those people are going to be brought in and and, and, and be uh, uh, you know, surrounding this this now elected official or elected official so it it is it is concerning because again it it just doesn't seem like there is a bottom and people are always looking you know Rayla is always looking for a way Rayla Campbell uh, well what can I do next and and it's just like well people don't want to be entertained anymore There's a fatigue that is set in. And it's not just Rayla Campbell. You have other people, too. So I mentioned Catherine Vitale, and she is one of the anti-vaxxers. Now, I've already publicly stated on a number of occasions that I'm very much against the mandate, too. And I think that because... The authorities, the sources that government—you know, municipal governments, state governments, and the federal government—were looking to to guide us through this pandemic, uh, because despite all the confusion, speaking of moving goal, goalposts, uh, the back and forth, and 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 policies changing from one day to the next, seemingly at uh, different points in time. Uh, what people could find sifting through all this is that there were, in fact, several ways, different ways that people could keep themselves safe as well as others. And I think that if people did not want to take the mandate, uh, did not want to take the vaccine, I do think that that should have been something that that they should have been free that path free to pursue. But then, of course, you take regular COVID tests and you wear masks, You know, if if you are in an environment, and and, and I'm I'm saying this as a as a general remark, uh, you wear a mask in an environment. Um, if, if you're around people uh, for whom that would be more comfortable. Now, I actually got vaccinated. Uh, well, I got two shots. Um, for health reasons, uh, I'm not going to get the booster, but I, I am fully vaccinated if you define having the two shots as being <laughs> fully vaccinated. And and I just I, I I do need to make this clear. So when I when I do criticize the people who who have them, they themselves, you know, taken the label and and said, "Hey, yes, we are embrace the label. We are anti vaxxers That you know, you can call us that." Or, yes, we are. Uh, Categorically against the mandate, uh, we're against the vaccine, we're, we're against even the mask, because uh, a lot of the, the, the loudest voices that are anti-vaccine, um, they're also anti-mask. I say what I say because I want people to understand that I'm not criticizing them for their position, and being against the mandate and being against having questions about the vaccine and not liking the mask. I am criticizing them for the tactics that they have been using. I am criticizing them for their hypocrisy, some of them, not all of them, but certainly some of them. Uh, and I'm criticizing them for not understanding. Are not appreciating or respecting that not everyone feels the same way, and that they could make efforts to respect how other people feel, just how other people can make efforts to respect how they feel. It, it's it's very much, I think, a two way street. So let me talk about the tactics. Um, you know, Catherine Vitale going and getting arrested. I personally find that offensive because you have some communities and there might be, you know, a lot of crime. And I'm not going to say that it's, you know, communities of color, (laughs) because you can go into certain white neighborhoods and there can be a lot of crime. And so the idea is that you want to... You want to navigate what can be sometimes difficult situations in your community, in your hood. And you want to do that without getting hurt, without getting in trouble, without getting arrested. You want to get through school, you want to find a good job, and you want to make good, honest money. And when I look at people who are getting arrested to get attention? Yo, that's offensive. <laughs> that is so unbelievably offensive. And that no one has brought that point up and that no one has called these people out for their what is also what I call performance pieces. That, that really gets my goat. That gets my goat because, again, you can go into some communities and you know you might find someone who who will turn around and say, "Look, you know a couple of my best friends, a lot of my closest friends, a all lot of the crowd I ran with, a lot of them went to jail you know i I didn't go i didn't you know i I somehow kept my nose clean, I put my head down <laughs> did what I had to do and and you know I'm grateful, I'm here, I'm alive i I have a job." You know, I'm making an honest living. And then you have like these people, the anti-vaxxers who are going out and deliberately getting arrested. So Michelle Wu put together um you know, she crafted what and she crafted what was submitted to the city council, what became what was voted on became an ordinance. And it limited the hours that the protesters could appear, not just in front of her home, but, you know, it's just in general. And what did the protesters do? They went and they protested during the hours that they could no longer protest during, well, what did they think was going to happen? You know, you have other instances where the police said, okay, if you, you can't come in here. Or if you blow that horn, this is what's going to happen. If you come in here, this is what's going to happen. If you blow that horn, you keep on blowing that horn, of that megaphone, using that megaphone or blowing that whistle, this is what's going to happen. And then what do these what do these protesters do? These professional protesters, they do just what they're told. Is not it, it, what they were told not to do. And then when they're met with the consequences that they that they have been told that they were going to be met with, should they continue to engage in the same conduct? They then cry that their rights are being stripped away, uh that they're being persecuted, and it's just it's I'm sorry but it's just I I'm just my mind is blown. I I just I have no respect for the people that think that this is okay. It's one thing to stand up and not back down. And in some instances it, it might cost you in different ways, but you have you have people, one of whom is Catherine Vitale, and who is incredibly running for Congress against Diana Presley. Good luck with that. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that Diana is going to be reelected without issue, without a problem, without breaking a sweat. Uh, her other opponent um, is Donnie Palmer. Well, Catherine actually has has yet to get on the ballot, but uh, Palmer's on the ballot. I mean, I, I think I think Iana's safe. I really do. Um, which is unfortunate because she deserves to be held accountable for her record and she shouldn't just walk right back in Congress, but that's exactly what's gonna happen. But to get back to, to Catherine, uh Vitali, it's you know, what is the end game? What do you hope to accomplish? Short term, I get it. You want, you know, no mandate, no masks for our children. But even that's really simplistic. Can you expand upon that? And then she was talking about wanting to have an all elected school committee here in Boston. Okay. What are your ideas for improvement for, for the Boston public schools? So I asked her that, and she did actually respond that she didn't have a plan. And and then she tried to put it on me, like the issue was with me, actually. So it was kind of like, okay, well, you're asking me for my plan, but what is your plan? Well, my goodness, Catherine, you're the one who's running for office. I'm not running for office now. And I then of course responded that I did have a plan and I gave her the name of the plan and I'm sure she knew that I had had a plan, but she threw that out there anyway to take the focus off of her and her lack of ideas, basic ideas. And then she turned around and said, when I presented a plan, apparently that wasn't good enough. So then she turned around and it became And she said something to the effect, well, I'm not going to engage with someone who's going to criticize me for um, not having something, for lacking something that you have. (laughs) What? Like, (laughs) like, Like, what amount of mental gymnastics did she have to go through to come up with that? You're running for office. And... The Boston School Committee, they pick the superintendent who shepherds, who who really kind of takes the vision, shepherds the vision of, of the school district and really implements the ideas that are going to realize this vision. So if you don't have any ideas as to how the Boston Public Schools can be improved upon, then why would you be arguing for that particular body to be all elected, uh, you know, um, elect, uh, yeah, all positions to be elected? You have to have an idea about what the school needs to do better and what it needs to do full stop, And and, and of course, maybe in some instances, what it shouldn't be doing. You need to know that. Because if you can talk about that, then that speaks to already the responsibilities, the raison d'etre of the Boston School Committee. But if you don't even have an idea of where the school, you just want parents to be able to vote or a people to be able to vote for the elected officials. She said, return it to the parents, uh, the, you know, control to the parents. So that's another thing. It wouldn't be just the parents voting. It would be you know, all voters, all registered voters in the city, you know. So you have, so th- this is what you have running, uh, trying to run for Congress. Yeah, good luck. But the the point, speaking to my point, it's, it's just, you can't, have this, 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 uh, this trend where you have people just doing things to make headlines. That that's how they're getting their name recognition, and then say, "Well, I'm standing for this cause, so I did this." You know, so maybe the person got arrested. Maybe. Uh, you know the person got into a scuffle. uh maybe uh, the person disrupted an event. Okay, but where's your platform where's your where are your ideas? What in your background is going to convince me that you can do the job? like what in your background speaks to the responsibilities of the office for which you're running? But it's all, what can we do next? And it's very much performance theater. And so all of this taken together is really, it's disgusting. And I just, I want this movement to kind of, I want people to stand up. And I want people to say, look. We want representation. We don't want reality TV. <laughs> we we want people who have ideas and we want people, qualified people who have ideas, and we want people who are, are going to be able to demonstrate or at least convince us that they're willing to work hard to do a job. That's what we want. And that's what so that's what I would want. Um people to stand up and say. Now I'm going to go to a little bit of a break. We have a few minutes left in the show, and I'm going to talk to another aspect of what I've been talking about throughout tonight's show, this really like race to the bottom, the nastiness, um, doing things for shock value, for attention, for headlines, Um, but first let's go to that quick break. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify, and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP, or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Grassroots Baseball's mission is to promote and celebrate the amateur game around the globe with a focus on growing interest and participation at the youngest level. The overarching goal of Grassroots Baseball is to work to give back by providing inspiration, instruction, and equipment to help ensure more children have the opportunity to learn, play, and enjoy the game. To learn more about Grassroots Baseball, you can visit www.grassrootsbaseball.org. Are you wondering if your relationship is safe or if you have gone too far? Is your partner ever afraid of you? Are you worried a friend is hurting their partner but don't know what to do? The 10 to 10 Helpline can help. We are here every day, 10am to 10pm. We are confidential and anonymous and offer help to adults and teens across Massachusetts reach us at 877-898-3411 or you can visit us on Instagram or Facebook at helpline1010.org. Anne, yeah, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me, I wanna show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Wrap. So I have been decrying uh, this particularly grim climate that really has uh, oh, this this grim chapter in American politics. And I've been you know, keeping it local, but of course you can find examples throughout this country. Now, uh, the last example I want to talk about touches upon another issue that I have talked about, that I've discussed in many a show, anti-Semitism. And for me, that is, it's both uh, a professional uh interest if you will for lack of a better word uh but it's also something that I am very much motivated to talk about on uh a, a deeply deeply personal level because I am in fact Jewish uh you now some people know this some people might not but I am Jewish and I am very 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 proud to be Jewish and my background for those who might not know this or who might not also know this, uh, I trained as a barrister. Whereas a lot of people want to talk about human rights, I actually trained in that. And so I think when people want to, you know, I mean, it it hasn't happened too often, but, you know, when I do have people who want to uh, talk about, you know, talk about some of the things I say, and then because they can't effectively counter what I say, then they'll just resort to insults and, the, oh, you're racist, you' you're you're ignorant, you're, you're you know, I mean that, again, it hasn't happened too often because I don't cloak myself in a rhetoric that is uh, hateful, provocative. Um, I'm just very matter of fact. <laughs> I'm very, um, I think, logical and rational when I when I express myself. Even when I'm upset, it's it's just it's one of the, um, uh, I think, characteristics that d- that defines me best. But anti semitism, certainly, I, you know, I wrote my Master's of Law dissertation on probably one of the most horrific, um, horrid, abhorrent consequences of anti-Semitism in recent history, and that's, you know, the Holocaust. I wrote about uh, genocide, how genocide has helped shape international criminal law, and I focused a lot of it on the Holocaust, but of course I mentioned Armenian genocide and— I spoke about, um, I, you know, I spoke about other genocides as well, including the Rwandan genocide. What I see happening now in the political arena in Massachusetts, really, it disturbs me, and it also angers me. And, you know, we have a proliferation of anti-Semitic incidents both words and actions and it has to stop and I don't ascribe to the idea that well let's have a vigil we're going to release a strongly worded statement no I think that I think that we really need to call people out and hold them accountable and it's we we are well past the point in time where we're that you know, holding vigils is gonna do anything. This is what it comes down to. You're either against anti-Semitism or you're for it. Period. And if you can't speak out about it, regardless of the provenance, then you're for it. And and I it's it's become such an issue here in Massachusetts. We have the mapping project which occurred, and it's basically it sets out it, it, it goes into detail about this this infrastructure of different Jewish institutions and allies of the Jewish community, members of the Jewish community here in Boston and around Boston and the idea is to disrupt this 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 community to to break apart this infrastructure and it's it's dangerous. And then you have you have Diana Ploss, who's running as an independent for governor and her running mate actively engages in Holocaust denial. And and she does too. And so I want to devote a considerable amount of time in the next show to talking about this because it's it, I think for at least Diana, this is about this is just about shock value, and this is about getting attention. And so this is where all the behavior that I described before, while some of it might be might might be at different points despicable, this is just all the time despicable and I would say even immoral. Um, but that's all we have time for tonight. As always, I thank you so much for hanging out with me, listening to what I have to say, and I invite you to reach out if you have something to say you yourselves. Okay? Bye-bye for now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network